Welcome to the Mad Men Happy Hour, the officially unofficial podcast for Mad Men on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And I'm going to steal uh, something that Dan in Pennsylvania sent us this this time. And I'm going to call us the Coca-Cola of podcasts. Yes. <laughs> or at least the Coca-Cola <laughs> of Mad Men podcasts. How about that? There you go. I won't yeah. go so far to say we're the best podcast out there, but... You know. uh, I will. Really? Bill Simmons. Psh, Adam Carolla. <laughs> fuck that noise. All right, fair enough. The Coca-Cola <laughs> podcast. Uh, you said you have some stuff to talk about uh, before we get into the real recap, but so before we do that even, I want to get your opinion on this episode as a whole. Um, I thought it was great. Uh, great, huh? A nine. A nine? Wow. A nine. Uh, yeah, I definitely thought it was awesome, too. Uh, like, your nine is a Mad Men scale, though, right? Yeah. Really? So it's a nine for Mad Men. I think it's uh I'll give it an eight for Mad Men. It was Most, up there. Mostly on the strength of Trudy. <laughs> when she, she tells off Pete. She put this episode on the on the map. I mean I thought it was a strong episode and like a meditation on cheating. And this yeah, yeah. this show has done so much to glamorize cheating. I, I I joked on Facebook that this was like watching the guy drink the false grail. Like, <laughs> all that yeah. deglamorization came as five years in the making, and it came crashing down in a single episode. Didn't yeah. look so much. Didn't look like so much fun. Go home, kiss your wives, guys. <laughs> yeah, well, it it seemed to not look fun to everyone except Don. I mean, he's the only one who kind of came out of this totally scot free, right? I mean, you've got we'll Sylvia who's see. jealous, and you've got Pete who obviously is in hot water. What Don's doing is despicable and reckless. He's just much better Certainly. at it than, than, than Pete. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Much better at it. I mean... All right, well... Yeah, it's we'll like get he, he's a gold medalist go, right? in the asshole Olympics, uh, and he's relentlessly <laughs> fascinating to watch. That's that's the thing uh-huh. about it. But, um, you know, it's kind of much like Walter White. I don't find that I'm cheering for him. I, I definitely pity him. Mm-hmm. I wish he could break out of this cycle because... As this episode makes clear, he's got a lot of reasons, not not necessarily excuses. He's got a lot of reasons for why he's as fucked up as he is. Yeah, um, and he's got the, uh, you know, he's got the bones of as uh, like like Joan said last season of one of the good ones. It's just he relentlessly sabotages himself. At least he doesn't have Herb's bones. Because, uh, <laughs> Those are big ones. <laughs> they're big ones. He wouldn't be seeing much. Uh, all right, well, let's get. I don't know. Ham, to, uh, your... ham might be able to pack on 300 pounds and still see that package. <laughs> the old ham really? bone. So. Yeah. All right. Uh, so what was your thing that you wanted to talk about up front? So I was reading, you know, last week we talked about how long it will take for us to see if there's anything to this Dante's Inferno business, right? We're yeah. talking about, you know, God forbid us reading the book. Uh, there's, in record time, a thread on Reddit analyzing this. And it was started by a guy named uh, Lemon Meringue. Uh, and he has studied this in college, and he was thinking about it. He said the first circle, which he's theorizing is this week's episode or twin episodes, 
which is limbo, is reserved for the virtuous pagans and the unbaptized. It's where the guiltless damned are punished by the living in a de- deficient form of heaven. He lists various forms of deficient forms of heaven we see here. Don and his listless marriage to Megan and his oddly heatless affair with Sylvia. Pete and his hermetically sealed suburban union. Betty and her political marriage. I kind of quibble with that one, but... Peggy's situation is similar. She's in an okay relationship with an okay job where she's sort of respected or feared by people she doesn't really like working with. Roger Sterling's therapy sessions made it clear that he views his entire existence as a sort of limbo. <laughs> Joan managed to get a partnership, but the cost was extremely high. The payoff remains to be seen. I also like the um, the virtuous pagans and unbaptized. I think this is an explicit nod also. This is me talking, not Lemon Meringue. To Roger trying to give his daughter the baptismal waters of the Jordan and her turning it down and, and mm. leaving it. Yeah. He mentions that the second circle of hell is lust. Um, and he quotes from the Wikipedia article, Dante condemns these carnal malefactors for letting their appetite sway their reason. They are the first ones to truly be punished in hell. These souls are blown back and forth by the terrible winds of a violent storm without rest. This symbolizes the power of lust to blow one about needlessly and aimlessly. Every single main character last night who received story focus was dealing with the effects of allowing their sexual appetites to override their moral compass or good judgment. Pete torpedoed his perfectly good arrangement with Tootie to satisfy his momentary lust for his neighbor's wife. The flashbacks to the whorehouse where Don spent his formative years floated through the action and shed light on another portion of Dick Whitman's views on relationships as transactions. Um, He mentions, he said, if he's remotely on target with his next theory, the next week coinciding with the next circle of hell will be a meditation on gluttony. And, Mm, you know, you've got obviously Don's alcoholism, um, Betty, uh, maybe, you know, working gluttony. She's she's having problems with the Weight Watchers. I don't know. Um, (laughs) So interesting. We'll see if the third will be on the lookout for the next episode. If there's any themes revolving around gluttony. Because if yeah. so, then I'm locked into this theory. I am subscribed. Oh, yeah. No, I like it a lot. Um, potentially, it doesn't even have to be next episode, though, right? We know there are 13 episodes in a season, so they're going to have to skip a few. Yeah, I suppose. They're, unless they're going to do them all straight and then have we've, six. We've already had a single. I mean, we've only got, uh, like, 11 left to go, right? So, And, and I, yeah. I think that, yeah, some of these arcs could last two episodes. Like, we could still be dealing with the fallout of Lust next next episode. Sure, um, definitely. So I wouldn't be too bummed out if we don't get to it. But if like the next and the next one rolls around and there's no, you know, even a sly wink to Betty's weight problem could probably satisfy the theory. Anyway, I just wanted to open <laughs> sure. up, open up uh, with that. I thought that was fantastic. Okay, yeah, I, I like that a lot. Well, why don't we get into the recap? Let's do it. Okay, so we start at Pete's dinner party, where. Uh, so he's most certainly flirting um, with Brenda and one of the other neighbor's wives, who yep. I don't know her name. Yep. Um, is Trudy flirting with these guys? They're obviously flirting with her. I, is she flirting back? My read was that she is polite. She's she's yeah. being polite and decent. That she's giving her, you know, kind of like, oh, you boy's face. Um, and mm-hmm. not encouraging any of it, but she's also not like judging. She's just seeing it as like innocent boy fun, I guess. She's, I don't think she's returning to flirtation. Uh, I'm, I'm with you that I don't think she was returning it. However, the stuff at the end where she's talking with Pete about you couldn't even pretend, like you couldn't keep this facade up, that to me says that at the beginning she's not enjoying that. Oh, it's interesting. She's going along with it for the sake of not ruining anything, ruining the night, you know? 
that would be super interesting if she's decided they had a de facto open marriage and she's <laughs> yeah. been and, entertaining uh, male suitors this whole time uh yeah. which would just i think would make it her moment in this episode even more awesome <laughs> sure sure um it, i do say that it does seem like that first of all i was like are we one drink away from having a key party break out here am oh, i ready boy. to handle a bunch of 60 suburban swingers um <laughs> and then also pete seemed like he's having an uncommonly good deal of success with the ladies yeah this is really yeah, I, f- fucking with me i assume that has come with his success in his job right well, I mean, I, I I feel like that – does this have any kind of um, tie-in with, like, Signal 30 from last year where he was impressing the teenage girl with his confidence and, you know, urbaneness, but then when, like, a real alpha came up, he just, like, shrinks from the occasion? Like if Don, oh, yeah, like, so there's no competition yeah, like he's with the, the biggest, women he's going after? Yeah, he's the biggest fish in this pond, but if, like, Don Draper had entered the room, it would just be, like, <laughs> shut down. Well, that's actually a fairly good point because Brenda says that she's from a small town and, like, she doesn't know the city that well. And, like, uh, here is, here's height of the ad men coming up to her and flirting I think their interactions are super interesting in this episode, period, which we'll get to later, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, next scene is Don going to work. He's in the elevator. And the door opens and Dr. Rosen and Sylvia are arguing about money. Uh, Dr. Rosen gets in the elevator and Don claims to forgotten his cigarettes and presses the button to go back up to his condo uh and i love what doc rosen says he says you've got to stop this nonsense <laughs> and it yeah. works on two ways the smoking and the fucking his wife yeah yeah you, you gotta stop the this fucking is, my wife <laughs> this is uh no this like this is unhealthy behavior but it works yeah. on both levels because of course don's is lying and my uh, god it's so risky what if what if rosen had forgot his wallet right yeah, or anything. I mean, there are a thousand reasons that he could come up to that apartment. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I feel it, like that's part of the mystique as as we get later on that that yeah. Don gets a juice out of this stuff. Like, when it's easy, he kind of loses interest as well. I, I don't know. He's a weird cat. Yeah, no, there's a lot of, like, I mean, this entire episode is, like, dripping with guilt and with... Um, <laughs> dripping. <laughs> yuck they should uh, take some penicillin for that really if that's if that's a problem yeah definitely maybe doc rosen can help him out with that <laughs> <laughs> oh this is the same thing my wife's got yeah this is going around don weird <laughs> oh god um yeah so we'll go to the next scene uh flashback here which was pretty cool to see uh dick whitman is i guess being boarded by his uncle uh oh well his quote-unquote uncle, Mac, uh, at his whorehouse. And boarding, he helps him with his bags. Getting boarded at the bordello. Keep his eyes down and mind his own business. What? I said he's getting boarded at the bordello. Yes, he is. Uh, so a couple things here. Dick is a complete afterthought to his stepmom, right? Like she doesn't even realize that her sister is talking about Dick when she says, you know, talking about the, the – the, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. I think it feels to me like there are circumstances which are just causing her to have to give dick to these people. Um 
and that she doesn't like the situation. She's aware of the situation, I don't but think she's she, doing it anyway. I don't think she likes Dick. If I remember right from earlier seasons and Don's old recollections, yeah. that she's kind of resentful of the fact that you know he's kind of like the Jon Snow in Mad Men. She's he's the bastard child that reminds her of her husband's being a scumbag at some point in his life or all of his life really uh, that could totally be and i get the feeling that i'm supposed to know the significance of this one whore who kind of takes a liking to him or uh, or not a liking to him but kind of just is giving him shit no um, i almost wonder there is some i think speculation on our facebook thread um but i definitely thought of myself is are we going to see that this is she going to have a continuing significance throughout the season? Like this, this curvy blonde. Is he? She going to be perhaps the one that takes Don's virginity? Oh, maybe. Um, I, I was mostly wondering if she had maybe been mentioned and had some importance to him in previous seasons. I don't. I just wasn't remembering. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. But there again, okay. You know, it's been been a couple of years since I've seen some of these episodes. Yeah, uh, I do like hear how she tells him to. Uh, find his own sins and stay away from Max, which he obviously didn't do. I mean, this no. was an obviously very influential point in his life <laughs> living right. in this whorehouse. But I do uh, think he took some of her uh, advice. Like I took his, her when she says, everyone's got a room here. That's how this works. Yeah. That, that was, he kind of took that as to in some, in a lot of ways, compartmentalize his life. And oh, he's totally compartmentalized. Because I, I get that when he's with Megan, he's with Megan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's having sex with her. He's genuinely concerned. If he hurt her, he would feel bad about it. And, he's yeah, with, and when he's with Sylvia, he's with Sylvia. And he doesn't. This next scene is a perfect example of it. And oddly, it's like he does reserve certain point, parts of his personality that he keeps from Sylvia. He's like, this is just about sex. Mm-hmm. And the conquest and all that kind of stuff. Where Megan, I've got these other things going. It's like the, in his weird way, he makes that dichotomy work. In fact, yeah. I think him giving her money, you know, is a pretty heavy-handed tie into this prostitution and how he kind of views oh, her. For sure, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're absolutely right. And I mean, he says as much when they're having dinner, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. That's not what this was about. She thinks that's what it was about because she was saying, "Oh, you guys were drifting apart and all that." Uh, but that is not what it is about for Don. There's also a, a thread that runs through here of a military conflict and w- who's winning wars. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, obviously it's Sylvia's turn to sprout a conscience in this this scene. Are we going on? Are we moved on to this scene? Yeah, let's move. Uh, they're in the maid's bedroom and they're uh, just done hooking up. And uh, Don puts on his impressive compartmentalization skills here. Yep. And gives her some money and heads off to work. Um, that was pretty on the nose, but also the they're talking about news coverage of the Tet Offensive going on in the background. Mm-hmm. And there's like three different mentions of wars being won and lost in this episode. Um, yeah, this is the conflict that um, – who mentions it later? Somebody in the episode mentions well, it Doc, later. Well, Doc Rosen goes on a long extended y- yeah, dinner tirade okay. about it. Yep. Uh, so they're talking about that on the radio here. Yep. Um, and this is – I mean – Right off the bat here in this scene, Don tells uh, Sylvia that she should feel bad, um, which is kind of, in a weird way, you know, the way she wants to feel mm-hmm. uh, at, at any other point except the point where, like Don says later, the dress comes off. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of guilt there. Um, yeah, and I, I like the point you made with the money. 
where she's uh he's basically it's like he's back in the old whorehouse he sees this happen all the time for sure uh moving on peggy's secretary tells her that the stooges are waiting for her outside her office and she brings them in and tells them that their work needs work and then yeah. tries to encourage them but in my opinion fails miserably very uh, awkward coaching moment yeah she's not a coach she is good at what she does but that is not to uh give pep talks i think it's interesting and that like peggy's emulating don to the extent that she's gone out and hired a minority secretary she's oh got, yeah she's yeah. got her she's she Phil, you know she's got her own dawn in the form of phyllis and uh-huh. it seems like that her ability her encouraging and bonding with phyllis has gone a lot better than her very awkward bonding with dawn oh for sure um so maybe she's learned a little bit uh not be so freaking weirded out uh by the other by the other race or whatnot and be so awkward uh because it seems like phyllis is like thinks peggy's boss of the year yeah and i mean it helps like like phyllis was saying peggy has been in her position you know Mm -hmm. as a secretary She's had her job. She knows what it's like. Right. Uh, I mean, she doesn't. Sure, she doesn't have all the uh, the racial connotations there, but um, certainly she understands. They understand each other to a. But I degree. would say that more so I, than I, Dawn and Dawn do. Right. I don't know. White white guy talking about race alert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, get your get your finger on the edit button, Jim. <laughs> Got it. I would think that Peggy's voyage from. Secretary to copywriter as a female in that era, yeah, is similar in difficulty, if not, you know, some of the other more unpleasant things with the racial segregation and and the prejudice as yeah. a a a black woman trying to break into a white collar job. Period in the time, yeah, there is a lot working against both of them. So it's like you know, no one's ever tried to take Peggy's vote away in her generation. No one's turned a fire hose on her, sick dogs on her. But yeah. that that scale of climbing that particular ladder is similar in in in, in the difficulty. I'm I'm guessing again. All right, as long as successfully white walked, let's <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> okay, uh, we go over to Pete's apartment in the city. Uh, he better get used to this place because he'll spend a lot of time there. The Pete the Pete uh, cave, in the Pete cave. Or should it be called the camp the Campbell cave camp cave? Uh, it's got to be something creepier. It has to. It has to convey the amount of creepiness uh, the Pete the pit. the Pete the pit the Pete pit yeah the Pete pit <laughs> <laughs> done uh, and pit. done it's the Pete pit all right so we're over at the Pete pit and Brenda is trapped in his web uh, and they're they're getting it on he invites her in uh, I like how he tells her not to linger in the hallway because yeah you know he's up to no good and he's such an amateur at this yeah. Uh, yeah, Don lost, would never say that. Plying. Don would give her a reason to come in. Yeah, or he would just, you know, know about his business. Like, he probably wouldn't take her back to his place, although and he wouldn't yeah. certainly get somebody, his next-door neighbor. Uh, well, well shit. maybe yeah, seasons one up. through five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, seasons one through five, Don would Which makes me think that he wants to get caught this time right? around. Like, he's yeah. being so blatant. It's like, he's like, you know, Megan's a good girl. She's got a whole life ahead of her. I need to... She needs – I can't give – I can't Betty her. I can't just suck all the marrow and leave her a husk, a bitter a bitter husk, um, yeah. a, a plump, juicy husk in Betty's case. 
So he's doing her a favor, right? Yeah. That's what you're like, saying. I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously there are wheels within wheels in the mind of Don Draper slash Dick Whitman. So I don't know, but uh, I actually thought early in going in the scene that it seems like Pete was going to strike out. Like her body language was like, "Oh, I came for the hair, and uh-huh. you're trying to ply me with infidelity." And when he went in for the kiss, I really thought she was going to spurn him and it was going to be another "Ha ha, Pete." You dumbass. Um, but somehow he turned the corner and sealed the deal. Did that take you yeah. by surprise? It, completely. Completely. I was in the same boat you were. Uh, I don't know. Maybe there I, – I certainly wasn't even alive at the time. But maybe there is a certain pressure that when, uh, when a woman is with a man in their apartment like that, that they don't feel that they have any, any power to say no at that mm. point. And he's giving her something. I, I honestly don't know. But that's what it kind of felt like at first, and then it moved into where okay, now she really she's into him. Well, and then it went like like zero <laughs> to sixty into him, and I think that's where like a uh-huh. Don Don never chased women. He kind yeah. of played aloof and available and flirty and got the girls kind of like more or less gagging for it, and then pounced. Yeah. Whereas Pete is luring him them into the cave <laughs> like the trap spider that he is, um, yeah. and it blow kind of Maybe blows he's... up in his face. Maybe he's got an exceptionally large ham bone. Maybe that's huh. what's doing it. I don't know. Uh, I just think that this is another sign of his desperation that he just cast it out to everybody. And you yeah. know, the first and, and so the other thing is, it's definitely my opinion that this was their first hookup. Yeah. This okay. I just because I I was on the second watching, I'm like, oh, they were kind of familiar. Maybe this tickets was just an excuse to get her through the city, but then this plays very much like a first encounter. So she went yeah. – she really went overboard on the attachment to Mr. Campbell here. Apparently. With this out on the way this is all laid out. Yeah. I, I, she's expected maybe the same thing that Sylvia's expecting from Don. Yeah. You know, going to get yeah. a little bit more than just uh, some action on the side. Right. Uh, we go back over to SVDP. And we've got ketchup and beans in Don's office. And they're talking about the Super Bowl. So this this with the Ted Offensive. Oh, are they? Yeah, this with the Ted Offensive is kind of conclusively pinpointing our timeline of very late, like January 30th into the first week of, of February type of action. Because I believe that's when the Ted Offensive occurred. Um, keep, yeah. Keep talking about the scene. I, uh, I want to make sure I give the right person credit on Facebook. Okay. Uh, we also know that this is six weeks after the last episode um, because they were – Megan has been pregnant for six weeks. Well – We'll find out later. I, I, that, that's the thing. I've got a we, theory no. about – Hawaii was a flashback <laughs> unto itself, correct? It took place previous to the main show's timeline. What do you consider the main show's timeline? <laughs> I don't know because the way they play that trick, it's yeah. like uh, when they were coming back – when he was walking back, he, um, was he coming back from Hawaii when he had that flashback? Or was the flashback no, to so when he came back from Hawaii? The flashback – wow, that's a good question. I'd have to go watch the episode again to be sure. Yeah, honestly. I have to too. I wrote, uh, But I'm like – I'm very unclear. I mean obviously it's within – But we know it happened in Hawaii, and Megan says she's been pregnant for six we, weeks. We can, we can say for sure that Hawaii happened six weeks prior to this episode. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that's that's something we can say. Maybe last saying. episode wasn't six weeks, but their vacation was. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, so I can't, I can't wait talking. to read our iTunes reviews for this week. These fuckers oh, can't boy. keep can't keep track of a, a simple three way flashback. 
<laughs> what are, kind of amateurs are we dealing with? <laughs> yeah, no. Anyway, ketchup and beans, talking in Don's office. Uh, they have a short, unofficial meeting with ketchup. Uh, beans stays behind to tell him that he doesn't want them helping ketchup because he doesn't like the guy. Uh, but he's too much of a pussy not to even offer the meeting to him in the first place. Right. Uh, when Beans leaves, Ken argues with Don about helping Ketchup, but Don wants to dance with the one that brung him. I'm impressed which, uh, he managed Maybe to he s- should apply that to the rest of his life as well. <laughs> yeah, I- I'm I'm impressed that he managed to say that without bursting in the flames. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> liar, liar, pants while, while, on fire. Yeah, while simultaneously dangling from an electric wire. It was Travis Bent who first noted that the, the radio broadcast talking about the Ted Offensive, which took place on January 30th, 1968, is what... You know, that in the Super Bowl, ID this as uh, late January, early February, uh, 68. Okay. Sounds about right. Um, so this was an interesting scene that I uh, had to watch a couple times, I guess, to really get straight. Um, there's one thing that I saw a lot of people on Reddit talking about and that kind of was weird to me at the same time. What was with Ketchup constantly touching Bean's arm? Did you get that? Um, Is that weird to you? It's like a power play, Is he just a douchebag? Yeah. Yeah. I I just thought that's, um, you know, I don't know. Okay. There's a lot of... (laughs) I don't know either. No, there's a lot of pickup game theory, you know, like the thing, you know, all those like subtle tips of how to get women to sleep with you bullshit. And one of them is physical touch equals like, you know, a power exchange or, you know, gets people interested. And I don't know whether that was like, you know... Like, how would you feel if someone's just touching you all the time? Like, you know, it's almost like a head pat. I'd be a little creeped out. Or overly familiar. These guys are enemies. And this guy's yeah. being totally chummy and overly familiar and almost patronizing to this guy. <laughs> Dude, there are so many people in the show who are like that. Pete is like that. Uh, Ketchup is like that. Bob Benson. Oh, my God. This guy. Oh, well, yeah. Bob, so Cynthia <laughs> B., she actually had a, uh, talked about how so many people are disliking Bob. But he's like, yeah. okay, so let's say he is a manipulator. He's probably one of the more okay. nicer, gentle manipulator we've, we've seen. He's like, what is that? She yeah. said, what does that say about this show that we're conditioned <laughs> to hate nice people? We yeah, really like the interesting assholes. But these nice guys, like, what the fuck is up with that? Well, it's not even that. It's that the show has conditioned us to think that everyone is an asshole. So when we see this guy being super nice, we're like, oh, he's totally disingenuous. There's right. no way there's anybody on the show who's that nice. Right. That's where I, like, he just irks me because of that. Anyway, so, yeah, Timmy, Timmy, who's the uh, ketchup guy, also does the same thing in this scene. Um, We go back to Pete's apartment, and he and Brenda have finished up their business. Brenda killed it. hurry to leave. Brenda killed his last TP role. He's got to break up with her. (laughs) Yeah. It was a full role, too. Yeah. It wasn't even low. That should have been his first uh, tip that he's dealing with a crazy person. Yeah. Uh, and he's he's just ready to get out of there, and she's like, she, "Oh, I'm going to leave my car in a certain spot to let you know I'm thinking of you." She's totally invested. She used the whole paper ta- uh, toilet paper roll and her own saliva to make it an exact one sixteenth replica of Pete Campbell out of paper mache. Ugh, yuck! Again, that that's a slight hint that he was dealing with someone that's uh, sort of unbalanced. The replica and the man are both covered in the same thing <laughs> saliva no toilet shit. paper oh shit ah. <laughs> uh 
moving on, we go down to the laundry room in the uh, Draper building, and Megan is firing the maid because apparently she's been destroying everything in the apartment, which and, I thought was pretty funny. And now her transformation into Betty is complete. <laughs> no. Fire, firing, no, 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 no. Firing the minority help was the last step in the descent to Betty. She's now wearing a moon. No way, man. Blow away the fish. Now, now, yeah. <laughs> they, she's, you're right. She's, she's, she's taking the mantle. Oh, God, you're right. <laughs> it's horrific. You know, that's the thing. Betty wasn't Betty to begin with. Don made her crazy. Yeah. I think that's yeah. what we're appreciating. Don is a Betty factory. We're appreciating, yeah, how this we're, – we're seeing this in reverse, like the, 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 how Ugh. Betty got to be the way she is. Well, I mean, she's Genius. got a rich stew. Good job, Matt. Her her dad, her father and mother seem like pieces of work too. But Don definitely finished what they started. Same as Megan. Yeah, her mom and dad are pieces right. of work. Interesting pattern. Uh, Sylvia walks in right at the moment she fires her, and Megan starts crying, and they go upstairs. Yep. Uh, at this point, we don't know what's going on. At this point, uh, I had no idea what was going on. Oh, this scene. This scene. scene's a trip. Yeah, so they're back up at uh, Megan's apartment, and she's telling Sylvia about the latest pro- plot thread with her character. Um, and then, which that was another thing out that was a mind fuck, right? Because she's talking all this intense stuff, and I'm like, did I miss an yeah. episode? Was I supposed to know this stuff? And then it's her character. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then she comes out and says, "Oh, I had a miscarriage." And then you know, Sylvia's like, "Oh, fine, I'll watch." She's like, "No, in real life." Um, and she breaks down, and she's feeling super guilty about it because she wasn't even sure what she wanted to do about it. And uh, obviously, when she says wasn't sure what she wanted to do about it, she was considering getting an abortion. Um, and she was actually relieved when this happened because she didn't have to do anything. Uh, her yeah. decision was made for her. Uh, so did you um, think – so they're, these are both raised Catholic apparently. Did you think Sylv- yep. Sylvia came across obviously super guilty, but did you think she turned into – the kind of super judgy corner? Yeah. Uh, well, this plays into her jealousy of Megan, right? I mean, well, she obviously wants Don. Megan's got Don. She's kind of enjoying the fact that Megan is so broken up about something. Oh, you wow, man. I, I don't know if I agree to that take. I'm more like, I mean, obviously she's jealous of Megan, and this was new. This was all new information. And she's totally, like, yeah. oh, my God, Don's still fucking Megan? This doesn't add up with what he's told me which we find out <laughs> she kind of confronts him later. But I also yeah. thought that she was judging Megan for even thinking of having an abortion. And yeah, I, Megan was kind of floored. she would have judged that anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Megan was kind of floored that they weren't seeing eye to eye on that, I thought. Now, let me ask you this. Mm, yeah, she, she was. Is one of the possible confusions that's happening here the fact that Megan really did get an abortion? And she's saying it was a miscarriage. Ooh, I hadn't even thought of that. I mean, a miscarriage though is 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 a bad deal for a lot of women to to, yeah. to process, and it's it's you know uh, it, it's really emotional. Even if it's kind of like in Megan's case, a relief, because then it's like, well, shit, you feel guilty that it's a relief. Um, again, here it goes, uh, uh, male talking about what it's like to suffer <laughs> miscarriage and abortion. But I'm just saying that <laughs> a lot of this beautiful kind of ambiguity is that we don't know what Megan really did. And also her emotional state 
could be all over the map because of going uh, undergo this, whether it was an abortion that she's feeling judged for or whether it was a miscarriage that she has mixed feelings about. They could each easily explain uh, the behavior we're seeing here. I definitely see where you're coming from. Uh, I would tend for this one character, Megan, to give her the benefit of the doubt and say that she's probably not lying to Dawn about it because we've only seen her lie to Dawn one time, right? And it was about something minor. Yes. It was about her stupid audition. And she felt pretty terrible about it. Yeah. So I and I, I don't think she'd lie about something that big. Especially since the Megan we saw last episode was totally in the bag for Don. I mean, granted, she is an yeah. actress. But, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. there's no need for her to put that goofy grin on her face when she nuzzles into Don's chest. Don can't see that. So if she was really like a yeah. hollow sh- – I mean, I'm, I'm – yeah, I'm with you. I'm – I'm, I'm I'm taking a hundred words to say I agree with your analysis that she's <laughs> she's telling the truth. Okay. Um, I also like in this scene where you've got assuming Sylvia is being uh, genuine here when she's trying to at at the very beginning uh, comfort Megan a little bit. Oh, and uh, also you've you've got the woman who is sleeping with her husband yes. comforting the woman who just lost his kid. It's so twisted. And Don walks into this and yes. yeah. plays it. I think John Hamm played this beautifully. I mean, I'll, by the way, oh, everyone does. He directed this episode and the performances he's mm-hmm. got. I mean, he drove, a, you know, he didn't want to give anything away in case in case a jig wasn't up. But he's also like his eyes are boring holes into Sylvia trying to read her. And when yep. Megan comes up and kisses him, he's kind of relieved. But still, like, what the fuck? I mean, that was a great, like, shot of Don Draper in redline panic mode. You don't get to and see that very often. It, it definitely. but And his redline panic mode is so much cooler than everyone else's, you know? For, for Pete, for example? Pete, red Pete line would be panic shitting mode? himself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we get to see it this episode. Yes, you know? we do. Yes, we do. Um, but there's also another really great moment in this scene because when Don comes in, he kisses Megan, hello, and you can see Sylvia kind of give her the eye. Mm. She's like, oh, I didn't like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really subtle, but it's there. Everybody in this scene does a great performance. Mm-hmm. Good job, Ham. Um, Good job, Ham. Yeah. Hamming it up. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> uh, Peggy gets a new assignment. It's Quest, Feminine Hygiene Powder. Oh, God. Uh, she takes it over to Ted, who <laughs> reads off the details, and Peggy realizes it's a joke. Uh, played by her underlings. It's funny how much I like Don's outfit that I was kind of briefly outraged that Teddy didn't take this seriously. And I'm like, wait a second. Don would have taken it even less seriously. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, they're, yeah I'm, I'm always trying to judge Teddy against Don. Uh, I did Teddy like. Seems like another guy who's kind of disingenuous, right? Yes, he's, he's a lot like Bob Benson. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, we're we're definitely going to have to at some point have an argument about how we feel Teddy stacks up against Don. Uh, I did yeah. like Pe- uh, Peggy the way she took this in stride. She's like, you know, you know, when you want them to be funny, they're useless. <laughs> yep. So. Uh, anyway, just a quick scene there. Funny one. Uh, then we go back over to SCDP in one of my favorite scenes of the episode. Oh, heard yeah. from Jaguar. Uh, this guy shows up in Joan's office and just gets verbally eviscerated. I mean, she tears him a new Dude, one. Dude, the women were uh, on fire in this episode. Yeah. 
uh, Joan then goes over to Don's office and says, hey, he's here and has a quick drink. Uh, While she kind of stares out the window and tries not to think about the horrible things I'm sure she had to do with Herb. (laughs) Yeah, and Don's like, I'm going to leave this space for you. I don't want any part of... Yeah. (laughs) You know my feelings on this. I'm not one of the bad ones. I'm I'm getting out of here. Yep. Uh, I, I really love the way that Pete comes running into the office and he's like, oh, Herb, there you are. Like, he knows. He oh, knows yes. he's done oh. bad by letting Herb off the leash. Yeah, he's, like, sprinting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, funny stuff. Um, moving on, they go to uh, Don's office where Herb is telling that he wants to change the focus of their campaign to a more foot traffic, local sales-based thing. Um, Pete loves the idea and Don hates it, which... It's a horseshit idea. Don, yeah, yeah, it's, it's Don a terrible, the right idea. Terrible fit for this campaign. Uh, speaking of terrible fitness, this dude Herb is in terrible condition. He is so sweaty. And did you catch what he's talking about? The stairs. Mm. He says the the elevators go up to this floor. He literally, you know, the stairs where they were taking pictures. Yeah. He walked up those stairs, and he is that sweaty. Uh, yeah, it's, I, I, I get, I get that. <laughs> That's he's ridiculous. Big, he's a big man. I, 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 ah, I, I, he's too big. <laughs> yes, that's that's uh, anyway. true. That's that's a common fault of many Americans. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we go back over to uh, Peggy's office, and her and Stan are chatting on the phone again. Uh, Stan tells her what happened with the Heinz meeting, and uh, when Tim catches her on the phone, she tells him about it. And he suggests that she steals ketchup from SCDP. Mm. Really? Uh, I don't have... think he did. I don't think he quite eh. made that suggestion. It, I, I think we definitely got that as a viewer, but Peggy was still innocent. Yeah, yeah he he didn't really suggest it here. He did put the thought in her head. Um, but, I mean, later on in the episode, he all but says, or, well, no, I guess that's, if you want to count the shitty next time on, that's a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also liked uh I can't get enough of Stan High. Yeah, Especially when yeah. he's coming out of Jimmy's custom condom house, the rubber meets the road, and then his impromptu, <laughs> uh, we'll have your wig ready by Tuesday, ma'am. And you can hear him cr- like losing his shit as he hangs up. Like it's almost it turns into a prank phone call. Yeah, yeah, hilarious. Um also have we so we haven't talked about Bob. We kind of glazed over it so far. What the hell is going on with Bob? Bob. Bob, Bob? Bob is the, the guy that we all uh, – he's the suck-up. Bob Benson. Yeah. yeah. Well, how okay. did he – so so he went from last week where, where we saw him six weeks ago or whatever. He's sucking up to everybody and having kind of limited success. He's managed to mm-hmm. get into everyone's good graces this quickly. I'm very unclear what his fucking position is, what he's trying to do, what his pecking order is. How he goes from getting dressed down by almost everybody or ignored to being in all of the moving and shaking meetings this episode. Did I miss something or are we supposed to be unclear on that? Uh, I'm certainly as unclear as you are. So I'm going to say we're supposed to, but I could just be missing it as well. I just felt like there was no hospital. Everybody sees him as benign and useful. He's gone from being a pest and Mm -hmm. an afterthought and to an unknown to benign and useful, which says Bob Benson has been tearing it up, I guess. Yeah, well, if we're talking about six weeks between this episode and last, if we're talking about that, uh, 
we're talking that's about kind of it. one of the things that Mad Men does, right? It'll come back and it will not tell you all the details. It will just imply them. Yeah. Like we're supposed to see, okay, Bob Benson is now part of the team. Hmm. Uh, I accept that because that's what the show is telling me. Yeah. I just hope they fill in a little bit of the blanks. I'm sure they will. I mean, Probably, look, yeah. look how much we've learned about Ginsburg over the course of last year. Yeah. And Bob Benson is not there for no reason. That's certainly. true. That's true. They're giving him a lot of time. Do you think that he is the um, Pete uh, of Campbell past the way that Pete is kind of like the Don of Draper past? Could be. A shitty, sucking a sh- up enough. A shittier, less edgier version, less effective version. Or, here, okay, here's my theory, that he has actually been trained by Teddy to infiltrate Ooh. SCDP and steal business. Yeah. Because he's so much like Teddy. Hmm, Interesting. I don't know. That's not a real theory, but he's the bastard son of Teddy. All right. Yep. Uh, What do you make of the line where Tim says there's nothing quite like things going badly when you leave? Is there? You mean Teddy? uh, That seems like something Betty would say to me. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I I think that, and it's also tone deaf because I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a feeling that Peggy subscribes to, and we're slowly starting to see over the course of this episode, Petty. Uh, the stars falling out of Peggy's eyes when it comes to CGC. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, Megan tells Don that she isn't going to dinner. She's not feeling well. And tells him that he should go without her. Um, showing here that there is a right and a wrong way to wear a house coat, I guess. Though she doesn't look much better than Betty. Those things are just hideous, right? Uh, house coats? Yes. Yes. Yes, they are. Uh, They're not flattering me. We had a listener write in and tell me that it's not a moo-moo which i knew but i didn't know what it was it's a house coat coat. yeah yeah okay so i will start calling it that from now on it's funny because my mom is of a generation i remember her wearing those i just feel like everyone wears sweatpants now or yoga pants which is an improvement honestly can we all agree certainly yoga pants do far more for asses than house coats ever did yeah my ass looks fantastic in yoga pants. i know i'm wearing them right now man (laughs) Uh, Pete's neighbor, Brenda, comes running up to the door, screaming. Holy uh, shit. And apparently, uh, her husband has been beating her. Well, I think he just, like. he, he got a good start anyway. Yeah, Give got her, her nose at least a little bit. Yeah. Uh, not much to say about that scene. Let me ask uh, you this. Pete's certainly wondering what's going on. When did Trudy know? Oh, she only... In my opinion, she only knew once she took the car ride to take her to the hotel. Hmm. I have an interesting interesting counterpoint on that we'll get to later. Okay. I don't think you – know, obviously, if you take her if speech at the end at face value, that she's always known that he's cheating on somebody. So, yeah. But I'm just wondering in, in this particular instance, uh, you know, and I, and like I said, I got an idea. Okay. Uh, next scene, though, is Don showing up at dinner where he and Dr. Rosen discuss the war uh, until uh, the doc gets a phone call, uh, an emergency phone call, as he always does. He always seems to get called away. And, you know, again, I'm trying uh, – we always try to stay apolitical on this show, but holy shit, the parallels between Vietnam and the war on terror retrospectively on kind of both. <laughs> like the way people talked about – them both on both sides kind of strangely mirror it's like uh it it was really bizarre for me kind of 
going through that to see that happen kind of in Vietnam. Now, obviously, I don't know if those conversations really took place like that. This is all Wiener's interpretation, but it gave yeah. me pause. And, you know, it's just kind of interesting how history repeats itself. Sure. Uh, next scene is Pete and Trudy trying to find a place for Brenda to stay. <laughs> and they call a hotel that has vacancies and Trudy drives Brenda over there. And, and man, Pete's complete disgust with this girl that he's completely wrecked her world is I know breathtaking. Like, I thought her his dismissiveness of her and his pad and her attempts to try to connect with something else. But this was like, Jesus Christ, man. Yeah. Although she has a bizarre reaction here, too, where she's saying – uh, she's just gotten beaten up by her husband, and now she's saying, let's go to the city. I want to see you. She, I mean, obviously, like, this is what happens when you mess with desperate housewives uh, from the 60s. She's Her and her husband didn't have the best of relationship, and who knows how long it's been since she's been pursued. Pete pursued her, and she thought she was all in. She had no idea yeah. Pete was doing this as a completely surface you know, hit. Um, even though she saw him hit on a fellow housewife pretty blatantly Mm -hmm. i don't think she put two and two together here and i also think trudy knew in this scene because if you freeze frame her facial expression as she walks out the door the look she fires pete before she shuts it is like you're fucked it's it's a more less refined hatred than she fired at him when she came in after dropping her off but it was still there freeze frame it okay I, I no I okay so I'm with you I know the look you're talking about but I read it to be like you're an asshole for not wanting to drive her like the taxi suggestion she was like no fuck that you're don't get her a taxi drive her over there no nah, I no when, I thought it was a little more innocent but interesting okay now it was it was a way over the line if it's just a social faux pas I, I think there was real <laughs> okay. fire burning behind those lovely eyes of well, hers. Trudy is a harsh mistress. Uh, anyway. Well, she's married to Pete. She pretty much has to be. <laughs> Dr. Rosen has to leave for work, uh, leave dinner, that is, and he insists that Don and Sylvia stay and have dinner together. And Sylvia, in this scene, makes it very clear that she's jealous of Megan. Um, well, it, if it wasn't clear at dinner, it was certainly clear when she apologizes for it during the cut scenes here. Right. Uh they go back to the Rosen apartment and they get their their business on. Um, I've got to say that while there's a, you know the the majority part of me is disgusted with Don's behavior, there's something that I ha- that I admire about the purely like I said you called him an apex sexual predator. He was an uh-huh. apex sexual predator in the scene. Like sure, this is sure. this is a psychological example of the of the threatening finger bang that he gave to the comedian's wife in i think season two i mean like he just basically <laughs> and it started the moment he sent the waiter boy on his way it's like we need you know she needs another glass of wine and we need another minute and it was just relentless he just destroyed her resistance and yeah. had him, her eating out of his hand and then later his probably crotch uh it's it's <laughs> He's so good just, at it. He's so you just fucking wish good he at it. Do this with his wife, right? He he did last like he, season. He did last season, certainly. But you wish that he would continue to do that and not have to have all these extramarital affairs. Sure. 
Yeah, uh, why can't then he'd I be mean, a great yeah, guy? He's, you know? he's definitely a broken dude. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Okay. And then because she, from. he, like he basically, she started on the attack. Like I thought, you said you were were drifting apart, and I don't know what. And he just completely judoed her and flopped her back on her back in like sixty seconds yeah. with some fast paced rapid fire dialogue. It was something else, something else. And I've got some yeah, interesting take on Reddit about on you want. I got a really cool take on the food significance of food in this episode. Believe it or not. Okay. Should I integrate her? She right orders here? him a. She orders him a super hot steak, doesn't she? <laughs> yeah. So from a guy named the Masturbating Ninja on Reddit, uh, he talks about the significance of the food. He'll have the steak, the uh, the avalo, and I'll have the bronzio. So the mm-hmm. first is Italian for brother devil. And the Branzio, I suppose, is, is, is a type of European sea bass. And he thought it's interesting that Sylvia, a Catholic, ordered steak of the devil for Don while ordering herself fish. Uh, not only is fish kind of associated with Catholics because they weren't supposed to eat fish on Friday, but also it's got mm-hmm. the obvious association with Jesus Christ. Um, also, fish is something the Catholics are, would eat during in place of red meat during Lent. Uh, Lent represents the 40 days and nights that Jesus spent in the desert while the devil tempted him. Her dish seems to represent her honest effort to try to deny this temptation. Meanwhile, in front of her is the sumptuous and juicy steak, which is Don Draper. What do you think of that? Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Thank you, Reddit. (laughs) Thank you, Masturbating Ninja. I owe you a debt of analysis. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So... Okay, so they've got this intercut between the dinner and between what happens after the dinner uh, back at the apartment. There's this line at the very end of it that she says, uh, it won't be so French anymore, meaning that if she falls in love, like, it won't be as risque, it won't be as forbidden. Um, is that what that line means? Um, I think she's basically I don't said, know. I've got my head screwed on, I'm not going to catch feelings now. And she's back fully on board with... The she was starting to feel bad about them cheating in front of their mates' faces, and now she's got the sexual thrill, the the daredevil aspect, and she's on the same page as as, as Don. That's my take. I don't know what French means. I will okay. say that all this dialogue, I mean, he's got her apologizing for being jealous for Christ's sake. All this dialogue is textbook stuff of of bullshit that people tell themselves when they're cheating to justify the stuff to themselves. <laughs> Yeah. Right. I mean, it's this is this is compartmentalization one on one. Well, when I'm with you, I'm with you, and when I'm with her, I'm with her. It's like it, like a cursory examination, self examination would unravel this, right? It, it should, yeah. But like we said at the beginning, Don has gotten used to compartmentalizing this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I think for him, it really is like I'm here now. Don't think about the rest of it. Yeah, because he doesn't think about it. That's what he says. I just wonder if anyone could hurt Don the way he hurts other people. Yeah, good question. Uh, we certainly haven't seen it yet. Uh, when he gets home, Megan tells him about the miscarriage, and she says that she knows she should have told him about it or that she was pregnant, but she didn't know if the, he wanted to have that conversation at this point. And he tells her that they can have it anytime she wants. So once again, this compartmentalization is profound. Oh, yeah, because, again, I fully believe he loves and wants to protect Megan. At the same time, he is setting a fire beneath her bedroom, literally. Yeah, 
That's uh, crazy. You also missed a scene about uh, it's, just, it's a no dialogue scene with uh, Trudy coming oh, home. Oh shit! Yeah. But what's mm-hmm. interesting about that scene, and I read this at several places, it's an exact mirror image of the scene in Signal 30 from last season when Pete came in and after he, t- he hoarded up and he took a shower. He, he went right by um, yeah. her while she was sitting oh, there. Oh, really? Put, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an exact mirror image of that scene. And we've seen, That's really cool. We've seen the wiener do that a lot, so it's deliberate. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and there's also, like, he's watching the Johnny Carson show. They're talking about... Uh, they were going to have a guest on with the Kennedy assassination. Instead, they're having one on who's talking Jim, about the Jim war. Jim Garrison of uh, JFK uh, conspiracy theorist fame. <laughs> is that uh, He's Kevin, Kevin Costner? Co- Kevin Costner. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, was that uh, up in the pantheon of bad Costner accents? <laughs> yeah, amazing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, then there's the scene where he gets home and they talk about the pregnancy and stuff. Um, the next morning after that, Pete is on his way out the door for work when uh, Trudy reveals that Brenda told her about the affair, and she is pissed. Well, she didn't reveal that. Only... She just reveals that she knows. Well, okay. Fair enough. Right. Uh, she's not pissed because it happened. She's pissed that he was so indiscreet about it and tells him that he's not going to live at the house anymore. He's going to stay in his apartment, and that if he ever tries to come back, unless she wants him to, she's going to destroy him. That and was, I was I was out of my chair cheering by this point. That was right up there with Khaleesi saying she's going to claim what's hers by with fire and blood. I mean, <laughs> she was awesome. Yeah, incredible. And I'm not saying that because it's Pete. Like if she had delivered this to Don Draper, it would have been awesome because we've we've talked about. <laughs> I'm this. saying it largely because it's Pete. Well, well, I'm saying this because I think Trudy's freaking awesome. I mean, I kind of worry yeah. about her mercenary outlook on relationships, but she's got shit down cold. And it's funny how Pete, you know, it's like this Don is prophetic. It's like you're not going to know what you had until it's gone. And for Pete yeah. to try that lame, what you know, he tried to dawn her at the end. It was like, well, you're going to be alone in bed tonight and realize what a mistake. I'm like, dude, no. Nope. No. No. Don <laughs> might, on his best day, get away with telling the, you know, a woman that after she discovered he's been cheating on But there's no fucking way you can carry that water, dude. No way. Yeah. No. You're not going to get any uh, – you're not going to have the kids asking you about your ex-wives because uh, Betty Draper asked him to. Uh, any significance to her look about the bloody rag? Or is that just like, oh, Jesus, Mr. I'm Blood. sure there is some, but I didn't. I don't know what it is. Okay. Uh, I'm sure our listeners will write in about that. Uh, we may even have some information about it in the email section. I haven't had a chance to actually read through all the emails. Oh, wow. Uh, I've, I've got them all listed. Yeah, so this could be interesting. If you're waiting to put, uh, you know, slip in your hate speech on us, uh, <laughs> this is a good week. <laughs> yeah. It's too late next week, so <laughs> don't even try it. Uh, Ted assigns Peggy to take the Heinz ketchup account from SCDP, even though she feels terrible about using the information that Stan gave her uh, against them. So this is kind of why I was saying earlier that Ted basically told her to uh, steal that account, because he does later like, in the episode. Yeah, he did, he went, and he went from zero to dick in, like, 2.3 seconds. I mean, <laughs> threatening her job? He threatened her job, right? 
Yeah, yeah, in a roundabout way, sure. Not a roundabout way. He said you. you he said maybe you need a friend more than you need a job. Yeah, that's a th- that's a the straight threat to a person's job. And this is the third statement about meditation on how wars are won. Um, I don't know what the significance of all the war talk, other than just hey, did you mention all the did you did you happen to miss all the Vietnam talk we're talking about? Um, yeah, but. Well, well I mean, it partially ties back to what uh, Don and Roger are talking about with Munich, right? Yeah, that's the I mean, other, they, we gave them the ceasefire that they wanted. That's the and, third one I'm talking about. Um, yeah. So, does this drag him below Don's management level? Because last week we were singing his praises. Um, the many th- I, Don is a strangely ethical dude when it comes to this kind of stuff. Like he would never ask Peggy to do something that Teddy is do- is asking him to do. As evidenced by Dance with the One Who Brung You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he says at the beginning. Like, professionally, he's pretty straight-laced when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think you're right. So do we think, do Peggy think, I mean, does is, is Peggy have a problem with this? Uh, yeah, I think she does. Do you think she has a problem in principle or just because it's Stan and happens to be Don? I, I think it's a little of both, honestly. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the Don rubbed off on her, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel I feel that. So moving on to the next scene, Don is in a meeting. Actually, Don, Pete, Roger, a bunch of people are in a meeting with Jaguar where they're supposed to be pitching the idea of the modified campaign. Uh, but instead, Don just totally tanks this meeting in the most glorious way possible. I was enjoying every second of this. <laughs> oh, yeah. There, 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 there are several moments in here where I was like, that is just perfect. Where yes. he's talking about, oh, these th- these cars are. We'll advertise them at such a low, low price, and he's looking right at Herb, uh-huh. and he he knows that the price of the car isn't low, and yet he's he's saying these things that Herb wanted him to say while looking directly at the man, as if to say, "This is what you wanted me to say." Watch this guy's reaction. And over he keeps here. on getting more and more vulgar, not in the sense, <laughs> in the classical sense yeah. of common. Like at the end, he's like, yes. "Am I fellas?" What do you, come on, fellas, this is going to work. And he's like, this is yeah. this is a proven approach to move all kinds of cars. Expensive cars, <laughs> cheap cars, hell, even used cars. Am I right, Her? I mean, he's right, just good Herb. old boying it up, which is the exact wrong tack you want to take with these classy Brit yeah. executives, right? And he's, he totally knows it. And oh, God. It's just perfect. And then when... We, we should market to Herb truck drivers, housewives. <laughs> uh, oh, and then when Herb at the end says... He's not a salesman. That's when I just totally lost it and cracked up. Oh, yeah. Because uh, Don is the biggest salesman of all time. Well, and that's This the... guy's a small-time chump who doesn't have any idea what he's doing. But Herb blamed Pete for letting yeah. Don, who's not a salesman, even into better. the pitch. So it's like <laughs> Don completely washed his hands. And he even – he even like he duck, ducked the guy's handshake before, but he went <laughs> right for it and like gave him a nice, firm, manly, like, hey, we tried our best, buddy. <laughs> Totally mindfuck that dude. Again, yeah, amazing. Don, while a despicable human being in many ways, is really fascinating to watch work. Oh, certainly. Uh, you know what was also fascinating to watch? Am I crazy? Or is there a shot? Are the shots of Roger in this scene out of focus? I don't know. I didn't notice. The, but the I, scene, I, well, Mr. Got I got low def, so... Yeah, fuck that. High def, it looked like Roger is out of focus. Yeah, I'm going to have to start making a drive over to uh, Bald Sight B 
to get to AMC and high <laughs> yeah. def, man. The bald bunker. The bald bunker. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the bald pit. No, oh, no, 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 no. It's no Pete pit. All right, good. Uh, Don then goes back to his office after that meeting, and Pete follows him in there to yell at him uh, for ruining the meeting. Don definitely doesn't see it the same way, and he tells Pete that he needs to tell clients no. He needs to start having some balls um, and having a vision, I guess. Uh-huh. Uh, and this is where you get kind of the references to Munich, um, and they explain that reference. They say that we gave the Germans whatever they wanted to make them happy, but it just made them want more, mm-hmm. which there's actually a – I mean, I keep going back to this last season, but there's a very similar sentiment that Don approaches Dow with, which is what's happiness? It's the moment before you want more happiness, mm-hmm. you know? It's it's never enough, and it's certainly exemplified here in Pete's behavior. Uh, Pete, throughout this episode, is trying to be Don, and none of this ever satisfies him. It's that that temporary bandage on a permanent wound thing mm-hmm. that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it kind of seems like it's what Sylvia's feeling towards Don as well, right? Yeah, she's getting more and more wrapped up in this relationship that. Don doesn't see as a relationship. Uh, I think he put her back on her heels. I think he got her adjust her his her mind right as far as the uh, cheating goes. Uh, what do yeah. you make of Roger misattributing a Churchill quote to his mother? Is that just Roger being an <laughs> idiot, or is this uh, mommy issues are starting to surface? Uh, I think maybe Roger's mom is a bit of a character too, and I think she might have just attributed that to herself. <laughs> and so. That's where Roger thinks it came from. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, he. we know he fought in World War II. So it's like yeah. you'd think he would be a grown-ass man and, you know, it's like, wait, wasn't that for Churchill, Mom? No, 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 no. Yeah. Uh, no anyway. No, so then we've got ultra-shady Bob Benson. Uh, can, can we start calling him the Phantom? <laughs> <laughs> sure. All right. It's kinder than uh, what I was going to suggest to him. Uh, oh, yeah? What were you going to suggest? I was going to go with something along the philatio, uh oral <laughs> sex on Pete angle. Because yeah. um, he is going to town on that. There is nothing he that is. he won't do. You want a sandwich, boss? You want me to buy a toilet paper, boss? I got it, chief. Yeah. I got that. And that's the thing. You want, when me, he to request- set a ho- you want me to set a homeless man on fire? Right away. <laughs> when he requests a toilet paper... That's not even the trip to the deli that the guy was suggesting. No. That's another trip to another place. Yeah, and Pete does And he's like, like, nope, no problem. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, geez. Anyway, I just felt like this scene was a, a douchebag competition. Like, who could be the shadiest guy on the show? Pete used to hold that title. We have a new contender. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, back it up, man. Pete's got a whole six-year body of Next work episode, to lean on. Next episode, man, you're going to see Bob Benson doing some heinous stuff. He's going to <laughs> wave a gun around the office while simultaneously raping a German au pair. Yep, yep. What else uh, can he do Hit while he's hitting on a, uh, a 16-year-old high school girl? Yeah, and then he's, he's going to run his wife. Then he's going to run over Don's foot with the lawnmower. That's the only way he could out Pete. And I know Pete didn't do did, didn't run over. To, I know that. I know. I'm just saying that's what's required to out Pete. Could he could he have his wife's brain erased with electroshock therapy? Ooh, that's another Would that strong. take him over the I line? would accept yeah, I would accept that as a substitution for either of those actions. <laughs> okay. Good deal. Uh then we go back to Don uh who is knocking on Sylvia's door when Arnold is at home 
What is he thinking? He's crazy. Uh, he, I, I'm saying, man, he wants to get caught. Yeah. He's, I'm it's more you. and more, and, and, very, and I think it's interesting that this immediately flash cuts to him getting caught spying on his stepmom, pregnant stepmom getting fucked by his uncle. Is that his real uncle? Or is that just the, uh, no? It's that's just the guy I, that runs his sister's whorehouse, right? I think so. I'm not really sure, honestly. Uh, yeah, and she calls him a dirty little the the blonde buxom who I speculate might take uh, Dick's virginity. Mm-hmm. Uh, says he's a dirty little spy. You got to get your own room. That's how things work around here. Boom, compartmentalization, and then if you didn't get all the metaphors we're laying down, we're going to play out Gigolo. Over this entire end scene. Gigolo? The song. song. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I was not familiar with the song. I you actually fi- knew it? No, no. but they said Gigolo oh. about five or six times while they're playing the whole thing. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. I was uh, not familiar so with the it. So on the last scene, we go back to Don at his apartment. He's right outside the door. He's about to put the keys in to open it. Instead, he just slumps to the floor and sits there. And what I felt was a really good shot yeah what do you think um, he's he's alone i mean this is very god this is another godfather shot right in what way it just the the angle the color the lighting the yeah. um off off uh centered focus on the main character um mm-hmm. i just felt like it was is very godfather in and he's shadowed he's alone um, he's like a man without a country. He's a man. He's a husband without an apartment. <laughs> he can't be home with his mistress because the mister is a home and he can't be home with his wife because that's a whole bunch of ball of guilt and bullshit that he can't deal with. Yeah. Right that's now. his deal. Yeah. yeah. And also, so does Megan not have a sense of smell or does I, Sylvia just yeah. not wear perfume? I mean, this, that's the one thing that yeah. stretch, boggles my mind that, I always assumed Don was showering up before he came home, but that's clearly not the case now. Yeah. I don't know, man. I thought of that and then immediately was like, whatever. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah, I've never been I've never been a cheater. Certainly not at this level. Uh so it's like that's something <laughs> that I would worry about. It's like she's I got her scent all over me, man. Yeah. Like what like if Don Megan gets fr- frisky and there's like some, you know, crotch sniff action with the mouth region that's that's gonna blow your cover for sure right you would think so yeah but don not worried yeah not one bit and that's the end of the episode good episode it was a good episode uh do we have some outro stuff we want to do or not outro but pimping oh god i always forget this you got something new tell us about the new shit you got on our site what new shit? Oh yeah, the uh, <laughs> the iTunes widget. Yes. Yeah. So so if, I know a lot more people probably buy stuff on iTunes than they buy on Amazon as far as like TV shows and movies and music and stuff. Uh, so we put a an iTunes affiliate widget on our site, so you can go there and you can just search for the show you're looking for and uh, click through there and every, anything you buy, we get a little portion of it. It's the same thing, same deal as the Amazon deal, mm-hmm. which is you don't pay anything extra, but we get a little bit of it. Right. And since there's, you know, they've got an official app, there's no, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I should just shut there's... up. 
Okay. There's not like a link where you can follow and like now you're everything, you know, it's 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 it's, it's whatever you buy yeah. on that session or is it just whatever you search for and click through and buy we get credit for? Yeah, so you have to search for it on our site and then click through. Mm. Okay. Um, anything else doesn't count. It's it's not as good as Amazon's for sure. But I, a lot more people use it for that stuff, so. Anyway, another way to support us if you care to. Um, a couple other ways. Uh, we're part of the Bald Move Network. Check out all of our stuff at baldmove.com. We cover a lot of television shows, including Game of Thrones, currently running, Walking Dead, Justified, Breaking Bad, Downton Abbey. Uh, we've got our uh, affiliate shows, the Personal Arrogance Crew out of Seattle, covering beer, board games, science, general geek topics. And we have the women out of Los Angeles, the Picasso Show, Amy, Gerilyn, and Susan, talking about everything anything it's entertaining it's it's life advice it's life stories it's makeup reviews it's book reviews it's talking about television it seems like this week so uh the important thing is we select cat people to cast with that we like and they got good audio quality good personalities if you like us you ought to give them a, a, a check out that's at baldmove.com uh, also we appreciate any itunes reviews you can give us that's the primary way we grow our cast and size and uh um, get better feedback, get more feedback, get a wider reach, and you know, 30 seconds on iTunes means a great deal to us. So please, if you haven't given us any stars or rating, consider doing that. Um, our Amazon affiliate link, as we mentioned, go to amazon.baldmove.com or click on the orange banner at the top of our baldmove.com site. Uh, the way that works, anything you buy on that session doesn't cost you a thing, doesn't increase your shipping or handling charges, it just cuts into Amazon's profit, and that's how we keep on the lights and pay for our bandwidth here at Bald Move. Third and finally, you got a friend that's into quality television or interesting podcast, send them to baldmove.com. Word of mouth, people. All right. We're, pimp- we're pushing a luxury product through retail channels here. Don't make <laughs> us get the Sunday flyers. <laughs> yeah, we'll do it. Uh, yeah, I think we're ready for uh, feedback. Okay, so let's go there. I got a couple uh, points from Facebook. Do you want me to do them up front or towards the rear? Yeah, go for it. I've been talking for a while. All right, I'll give you a break. Uh, Megan Kay uh, was – this is hard to do to Facebook stuff because it's all part of a conversation, which you should totally get into at facebook.com slash baldmove. Um, but she was saying I, – I, she agreed with a poster saying that Trudy was trying to be everything that Pete wanted, even implicitly giving him permission to cheat. But I don't think her actions were entirely selfless. Uh, she wants to be the wife of a high-powered ad man and enjoy all the material and social benefits that come with that. I think this is a result of people like you know being overly sympathetic to Trudy. She was mm-hmm. the one who really pushed him to advance his career, pushed for the house in the suburbs, the pool, the kid, etc. I think Pete thought he wanted all that, but is realizing that he really doesn't. I don't think Trudy ever really cared about Pete. She doesn't care if he cheats as long as her reputation remains unsullied. Now that Pete has status, he's really realizing how empty it is which is why his conversation with the uh, with ben uh, which is basically his younger self was so poignant all pete really wants is for someone to love him and that desire is his only redeeming quality it will either take him to darker and darker places or he'll have a genuine revelation and she can't see which can't wait to see which it'll be thoughts uh yeah i'm mostly on board with her take on trudy um I think there might have been a time where she actually liked Pete. I don't but know. I, in recent days, she is not. I feel like if this we were doing a podcast in seasons one and two, and God willing, we'll get back to it one of these days, um, I would be saying that I also thought that they felt like a marriage alliance more than a real marriage. I don't think Pete, you know, Pete 
was more into Peggy even then, and Trudy mm-hmm. always, you know, felt like this was another one of the marks in life she's checking uh, checking off. So I'm not bagging yeah, on her. It, I mean, massive props to her standing up for her version of her marriage. But yeah, I'm yeah. with uh, I'm with those other people. Yeah, you're right. I I remember when they were buying a house and when they were talking about having a kid and all that stuff. And yeah, it did come a kind of come across as like you said, checking boxes. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe you're right. Maybe she is just as din- disingenuous as Bob Benson. Um, some people were uh, speculating that Megan was smoking dope and drinking um, in a deliberate effort to abort a fetus as a reaction to finding out she was pregnant. Uh, okay. Linda Schmidt dropped some science. Uh, she said, I was pregnant in 1968. Uh, very, good timing. We appreciate you doing that for the cast. That's, that's spectacular. Uh, it was perfectly normal for women to smoke cigarettes or drink alcohol back then. Her OBGYN never said anything about it. Smoking marijuana may have been a little bit more iffy, and most women I knew avoided other recreational drugs because of the whole um, – I can't pronounce this drug, but it's some kind of mess of the late 50s, which per- apparently caused birth defects. And at six weeks, I think Megan would probably have thought that she was just late since there was no OTC early pregnancy test at all and would have had to have seen a doctor and had a blood test to confirm she was pregnant. Good stuff for people that have grown up with, you know, $5 pregnancy tests and <laughs> all that good stuff. Um, neo, proper neonatal care. Um, it was referred to as the rabbit died, and I once I heard once that urine from a pregnant woman was injected into a lab rabbit, and that increased hormone actually killed the rabbit. But I'm not sure if this was true. Fascinating if so. Like, a pregnancy test required the <laughs> okay. death of a rabbit. That's some old-school pagan magic, man. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, consequently, most abortions, which are still illegal, by the way, would have been done later in a pregnancy than six weeks. I think she really did have a miscarriage, and her guilt was that feeling relieved not to have had to make a decision to abort or not. So I thought that was good background uh, on the time and also a good insight into what Megan was really thinking. Yeah, definitely. And I turn it over to you, sir. Okay. Get to the email feedback. We start off with some from last week talking about things that we had mentioned on the show uh elise k starts off she says uh yes jim there was another pig in the episode in the background of the luau somehow i didn't connect luau and pig together uh during the podcast so and dumbass of course, on me pete is prominently featured throughout the episode <laughs> <laughs> yeah what are you talking about pete wasn't in the background <laughs> uh i she goes on i immediately thought of suicide when i saw don's ad pitch on the hawaiian sheraton uh the A Star is Born reference may be more significant than just a scene of the protagonist wading into the sea to his death. I've only seen the 1976 version with Barbara Streisand, but the storyline parallels... Well, there's uh, that make me want to kill myself right there. Uh, <laughs> storyline parallels that of Don and Megan. Uh, she says, he uses his influence to get her noticed and soars above him. He's a washed-up alcoholic rock star, and she becomes a famous movie star. Don may feel washed up, uh, older time passing him by and an alcoholic perhaps uh, i think there's some irony to the part that she's playing on the soap too mm. so that's an interesting little addition there mm-hmm. um mora r says don calls the francis home a haunted mansion that's what it was did i read this last time i don't think so i feel like I'm no okay. oh, i think okay. you because we had to cut short because we ran so effing long that's right, yeah. Um, 
So I have read this you, email you, before, you owe, but not on the you show. You owe a shitload of people Zippo lighters, by the way. I got a lot of feedback <laughs> for people wanting to know where they picked those up. It's a joke, people. A joke. <laughs> Uh, they wanted yes, me to they, alcohol poison myself in Walking Dead. These people are animals. <laughs> they don't give a shit. Where's their fucking Zippo, Jim? <laughs> They're in the mail already. <laughs> there you go. Oh, I got uh, lost. All right, what can we do? It's a damn U.S. post office. Yeah. Uh, and she goes on, Joan is Joan is the one who says the only sin she's committed is being familiar to Don last, uh, during last year's Christmas episode when they were having drinks at the bar after test driving the Jaguar. That's where that was. Um, a question from Mora says also do you think this is all going to end with Don falling to the streets of Manhattan like the title credits what do you think about that say what uh, she asks if uh, we think it's all going to end with Don falling to the streets was of this, Manhattan like was, the title credits was this Cynthia no this was Mora R okay sorry because I was actually looking in the background for Cynthia's comment it was actually it's the same thing there was a article oh on uproxx u-p-r-o-x-x dot com about uh you know basically the same thing that is a don going to jump off a building just like the title sequence and they cited a lot of different evidence that we've talked about um and some that they that, that, that we that they didn't catch was like him almost stepping into that elevator chasm with the 666 stuff but one thing they mentioned was like you know him uh, the jumping off point and when he was staring, looking out that big picture window and that fantastic sequence where the ocean was playing behind him, you know, yeah. reminding him of Hawaii, which is the jumping off point. He's in front of a high rise mm-hmm. window. I was having a conversation with Cynthia and I was like saying I had actually I'm starting to be surprised if Don doesn't die at the end of the series. I'm, I'm becoming convinced that he will. And I'm increasingly on board of the idea that he's eventually going to jump out of the window. Um, or maybe mm-hmm. it maybe won't be on purpose. Maybe he'll have a heart attack on the edge of something and fall and die that way. But you know, it would be just like the wiener to knot everything up, and that the opening credits are a clue to the closing finale of the season. I don't know. I'm, yeah. But on the other hand, I, I that feels like a little bit too on the nose. But then on my third non-existent hand, does it? I feel like that the, the, if anyone could pull off a surprise ending. Involving him falling off of a building, it would be Matthew Weiner. Yeah, right. So that's the art to it. Are they going to be able to make it uh, emotionally impactful even though we kind of expect it to happen? That's the question. And I think that this show is probably pretty good at doing that Uh, Yeah, as a general rule. I'm I'm with you on that. Because nothing that happens is really ever that much of a surprise. It always kind of follows from what the character's who the characters are and what has happened previously. Yeah, sometimes it so is. Like, like I don't I don't think anyone called Pete or uh, Lane hanging himself, but there was death throughout the season. So it's like there's a way for them yeah. to telegraph and yet also surprise us. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Sure. All right. Uh, going on to Craig's email, he says, Hey, guys, great show. I uh, really get insight in the Mad Men episodes. One thing, though, being a child of the 60s and 70s, I feel compelled to correct a mistake or two. Um Ah, uh, here's the house coat. One mistake that stood out to me was a reference to a muumu that Betty was wearing in that episode. She was actually wearing what was called a house coat. So what's the muumu pri- was? Yeah, I see you going to break it down. What's the primary difference? He is. Here we go. A muumu was actually a rather shapeless, large Hawaiian dress worn by an extremely large woman, or as an overgarment for more slender women. Anyway, keep up the good work. Uh, so it sounds like the house coat was a 
more of a formed garment. Okay. Uh, whereas the Moomoo was just like a sheet that <laughs> draped over you. Uh, Nate B says, I think this lighter is going to be returned to the sender. Uh, I saw it as something of a chain letter. The real Don um, gave it to Dick, then died in an explosion caused by Dick. I think Dick is getting nervous that he has now passed the same lighter uh, on to a junior army member and his death is imminent. P.F. Dinkins Ooh. lighter is now a reminder like a chain letter or monkey paw that he cannot throw away ah. or destroy without finding its way back to him. All right. I can dig uh, that. He says his watch died in Hawaii. His ad was an allusion to death in Hawaii. He has lost his lighter and his edge. Yeah, I like that. Right on. Um, I think this is where we move into this week's episode. Uh, we start off with Emma, who is our uh, resident what resident prostitute? I don't know what to call. Yes, because yes, uh, a lady yeah, of the she's night. A sex, to make she calls. I got another. I got another email from her on Game of Thrones, uh, and okay. she referred to herself as a sex worker. So I think that's sex, okay. That's a uh, uh, that's 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 a classy way to refer to it. Professional way to refer to it. Okay. Uh, so Emma, our resident sex worker, says, "I definitely felt hooker solidarity with Joan. Uh, I've had some <laughs> gross clients, uh, bad hygiene, <laughs> dick buried under fat. <laughs> Somehow." Somehow unable to kiss, even though they're in their mid forties. <laughs> well, they are seeing uh, and, a prostitute. Uh, she says, and after a session, they'll text and text and act like it was genuinely romantic and fun experience, even though they put no effort into it. Uh, so Joan being sassy towards Herb felt great. <laughs> yeah, it felt great here, and I'm not even a sex worker, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joseph V says in response to last week's cast, you guys mentioned Peggy's JFK picture on her wall. Uh, this is more a Catholic thing than a political thing. My little Catholic grandmother still has one on the wall. Uh, interesting. I Catholics love JFK. I mean, I, I kind of think I knew that from well, he, somewhere. He's, but... He is the first Catholic president. That's breaking serious ground. Oh, he was the first. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a big deal, okay. man. Catholics have been. You yeah, know, yeah. Hated on, especially by, you know, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant dominated countries such as America. So that was a big <laughs> deal. So, yeah, I actually kind of feel stupid for not getting that. OK, uh, he goes on. As for this week's episode, we get further glimpses into how Pete will never be Don. They're both sleeping with women way too close to home. However, uh, I would like to believe that if Blonde came pounding on the door with Don, he would have just shouted intruder and bludgeoned her to death with a baseball bat before she could say anything. She came right at me, Megan. What was I supposed to do? Is this one of Don's dreams? Oh. Where he, like, yeah. chokes a girl? <laughs> That's him practicing. That's his, like, virtual reality environment. If one of, my, yeah. if one of them comes at me, I'll, I'll murder her and drag her into the bed. <laughs> Megan uh, has no sense it might of smell, play out so the, the decomposing the body will not give me away. <laughs> wow. Uh, he goes on, The winner has taken Don's narcissism to DEFCON 2 with his scheduling of a morning romp with Rosen moments after learning of Megan's miscarriage. His failure to go into his apartment... I think he's talking about uh, Sylvia learning of Megan's miscarriage, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because Don doesn't learn about it till after their... Yeah, yeah. He hasn't learned about yeah, it until yeah. after he come back for dinner, in fact. Yeah. Okay. Uh, his failure to go into his apartment at the end is not so much his disgust with himself, but more so that he is going to have to put up with his wife, who he knows is going to be up in bed crying and distraught. 
That's why he went to bang Rosen that night in the first place. Uh, man, I don't know, because that feels like that's more cold towards Megan, when really I think the key word is compartmentalization. Yeah. He's not cold towards Megan. He just genuinely doesn't think about that impact. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. Uh, Pete's fooling around is done for good, as Trudy has taken all the fun out of it. Uh, you can't be a can't be a king without power, and Trudy totally castrated that. He will now be living in that somewhat dumpy one bedroom apartment with no food and no toilet paper. Mm, yeah, because all what do you have like peanuts and crackers or pe- his his uh, bachelor food selection was lacking. Definitely. Um. Yeah, Joseph goes on. Uh, absolutely, absolutely love that Peggy's minions have the nuts to drop the king of all misogyny disses and tell her that her pussy stinks. <laughs> I mean, her attitude stinks. Mm. Again, another person that wants to, to wants to, but will never be done. Uh, lastly, Ted will never whoa, be done. Whoa, whoa. He's way Peggy? too phony. Peggy will not be done. That's what he says. Oh man, I don't know. These are not my words. I mean, think about what Don must have gone through when he basically mind fucked Roger into a job and uh, roast yeah. the ranks. I was like, yeah, I, 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 I think Peggy's got a lot of Don DNA right down to, but the she also compartmentalization and, and, uh, you know, almost ability to hold conflicting thoughts in their head at the same time. Com- but she also doesn't have the same, um, I guess, leadership qualities that Don has, right? Well, not yet, but shit. Did you see Don not in yet. the war? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, and he doesn't think Ted will ever be Don either. He's way too phony. Plus, with the Vietnam conflict heating up, Dow's money from all the bombs they're dropping, and thus the government money flooding in SCDP is going to be flush with money, and they will be able to bury Ted for good. Yeah, I buy that. I buy that. Yeah, they got that Dow contract. That's going to be big. Clutch. Uh, Dan in Pennsylvania says, My lovely fiance had this observation last night, and I thought it passed it along your way. Each woman in the three main plot lines of the collaborators had blood on their hands. Megan from the miscarriage, Trudy from the dishcloth, yes. the ice the wounds of Pete's mistress, and Peggy's metaphorical blood from the ketchup account she's stealing from SCDP. Uh, indeed, each woman is guilty of saying yes, like they, like they did in Munich. Megan had an abortion in the most passive way possible by saying yes to a lifestyle that aided in her miscarriage. Trudy said yes to Pete's apartment in order for him to have affairs discreetly while keeping up his appearance in the suburbs. And Peggy allowed uh, Co. Is that how you say that? Chaw? Chaw. Yes, Chaw. To go after after Heinz (laughs) as long as her name's kept off it. Uh, I guess Sylvia is saying yes to Don falls under this too. Hmm. Uh, She's drinking red wine at dinner, the symbolic blood of Christ. Mm. And we talked about her Jesus uh, fish implications. Jesus fish and devil steak. Yep. And she and Don seem insistent on having sex under a crucifix at this point. Ooh. Is that true? I didn't even notice that. Uh, I know she's always got one that she's wearing. Um, yeah, I'd have to. I'd have to look at it again. Because wow, that's another, another good uh, yeah. symbolic catch. Um, okay, uh, and he is also the one who says we're the Coca Cola of podcast. So thanks for that. Uh, Diamond Rattler writes in, "Hey guys, I thought this episode started off slow, but man, did it pick up." When Pete got caught, I was Maybe like, holy Pepsi shit, fan. not Maybe Pete. <laughs> Maybe he's a Pepsi yeah, fan. Did you think of that? I didn't, no. So he's <laughs> saying we suck ass. Great. Uh, he says, 
Don Rattler says, do you guys think it's inevitable that Don is caught? Yes. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I think it has to be. He's got to stop it within the next couple episodes if, if you know, for me to believe that uh, he can. And I, I actually thought we were going to see that when he said, I want this to stop. Yeah. But now he's back to being – I feel like they – like I said in the beginning, they're taking turns feeling bad about it. And, and just when the other one's mm-hmm. ready, kind of like you and I at the podcast, if we ever got said, fuck this shit at the same time, there'd be no more <laughs> bald move. But fortunately yeah, – we've definitely said it independently. That's, but that's never – we can pick each other up. So it's like, you know, Sylvia's yeah. like, hey, we should stop fucking. These are good people's lives are ruined. And Don's like, no, 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 no. So, yeah, they got <laughs> that dynamic going for them. Yep, for sure. Uh, he goes on, maybe Pete's, maybe Pete's situation is a foreshadowing of what will come for Don. Maybe ten times worse, since the surgeon seems like a powerful person and could have friends in high places. Uh, he says, I think it was the second season where Pete is caught sleeping with that babysitter, and that one dude says, be smart, stay out of the building. Could be something, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, shit. He's, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, Pete can't even learn from his own mistakes. Yep. Uh... Uh, Sully from Boston says Don Draper was schooled in a whorehouse to deal with women deftly. The obvious contrast with Pete Campbell's immediately failed tryst is why we like Don Draper and love to hate Pete. Uh, <laughs> he has a memory of Lane Price. You should call Pete the grimy little pimp. Much better than rapey Pete. Yeah, that could be our thing. GLP, you know? yeah. grimy little peep. Pete. Yeah, grimy little Pete. Because uh, we got a stole rapey Pete. Yeah, from the Mad Men uh, recap. Yeah. Anyway, he says, we want to watch Don get busy with the neighbor's wife and to hear Don describe what he's going to do to her. With Pete, the grimy little pimp, it's a bloody awkward. <laughs> it's bloody awkward, and we'd rather cut the commercial. Don might be emotionally ruined, but he makes it work. Uh, I love the boardroom scene with Jaguar. So did I. I was screaming for some sterling gold. So treasured <laughs> Roger's lines about deaf uh, self-immolation and watching Roger and Don... Gang up on GLP never gets old. Indeed. Yeah, man. Uh, we got a pretty long one from Jason. I'm going to try to read uh, as much as I can of it here. Uh, Jason from the Nattercast says, While marital infidelity has been a theme since the beginning, this episode was particularly focused on the consequences of various kinds of infidelity and the unreliability of those who collaborate in it. Uh, Don and GLP are both jeopardizing their outwardly perfect, perfect lives of success by sleeping with their neighbors' wives. And naturally, while Don's affairs seem like something out of a, ooh, well, apparently I've never seen any of this guy's films. Truffaut, Truffaut, Truffaut. I don't know how to say this. T R U F F A U T. Film complete with tense existential monologues delivered over flashback cutaways of them having sex while promising not to fall in love. Pete just went and stuck his dick in crazy. <laughs> <laughs> the message, just because you're banging your neighbor's wife, don't make you Don Draper. Couldn't agree no. with that more. I love how he goes, like, uh, literary to gutter. <laughs> That's one yeah. of his specialities. Well done, Juxtaposition, Jason. Juxtaposition, my friend. Of the Nattercast. Check them out. I know they're doing, uh, uh, they're doing um, Mad Men, are they Game not? Game of Thrones, right? I don't think so. I haven't seen one for last week, anyway, on their site. Uh, I think they picked up Game of Thrones, though. Uh, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll continue reading while you verify. Uh, How did Heinz you know? guy represent? <laughs> what? Oh, they're doing like Game of Thrones, House of Cards. Yeah, 
that kind of stuff. I don't see. Yeah, it doesn't look like they're doing uh, Mad Men. Not yet, anyway. Borges. Uh, the Heinz. What? Borges or Borges or I don't. I can't pronounce that. Oh yeah, I mispronounced uh, that. I won't. I won't thing. even try. Anyway, uh, it's they're Google also for doing it. Natter, tr- natter, tr- true thought in a t t e r c a s t. The Heinz guy represents the company, putting him aside in favor of the hot young startup or hot young upstart Timmy. While Heinz guy is being shuffled off to vinegar, literally an unadvertisable product. Timmy is counting Sterling, according Sterling Cooper, for Heinz ketchup, which Ken calls the Coca-Cola of condiments. But Don is faithful to old beans and vinegar. Heinz guy, uh, beans and vinegar. Heinz guy tells Ken that sometimes you have to dance with who brung you. Uh, unless who brung you is Megan Draper, in which case, dance with your neighbor's wife. Yep. Don is literally saying that his marriage means less to him than beans. Ooh, good one. And Megan, of course, has her own moment of infidelity around losing the pregnancy that she wasn't sure she wanted. The difference is that Megan is a decent human being, so she actually has a healthy reaction to her own sense of guilt and confronts it honestly. This naturally leaves Don baffled. Hot damn, our listeners uh, are on point. Yeah. Which brings up creepy Jaguar guy. Creepy? Creepy is not that does not suffice in describing this guy. Does it? He's a grimy big pimp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, big pimping in the worst big way possible. Pimpin', yep. Uh, which brings us to creepy jaguar guy who visits the office and drops uh, drops in on Joan. Uh, creepy jaguar guy represents an infidelity of sorts for Joan, but it's an infidelity to herself. Mm. Strange that it didn't occur to her that she'd be seeing him again, uh, and it didn't occur to me that we'd no, be seeing her, I, him again. Actually, I felt like you know he's like, oh, thanks for the wonderful evening," and she's like, "Roll over." vomit into your nightstand uh, wastebasket <laughs> leave like where did he think that this was hell i don't know fucking guys man yeah we are a problem <laughs> uh agreed when roger confronts don on his clearly ironic anti-pitch for local advertising of jaguar dealerships don retorts that they shouldn't keep saying yes just because they didn't say no the first time this perhaps foreshadows sterling cooper getting back to the joan well at some point but it's also noteworthy because Don didn't say no. He said yes until the other guy said no. If that's not a scene out of a marriage gone bad, I don't know what is. Mm. Interesting. And finally, of course, there's Peggy, who lets slip to her boss that Hines might be unhappy and tells her, uh, and he tells her to go out there and get him, even though that means violating a confidence. Peggy must now choose between loyalty and an ambition, two strong impulses for her. This choice represents another step for her toward the Don side of the force, but recall that Peggy <laughs> is not Don. Don would find a way to get Sterling Cooper to give him the Heinz account and thank him for taking it. <laughs> At least season one, Don would. So good stuff there. Um, we go back to Mora R with a second uh, email uh, concerning this latest episode. She says, I really loved how Pete has compared himself to Don in the past and the show as a whole uh, compares the two. And then we see them in similar situations this episode, both screwing women close to home. But of course it blows up in Pete's face. Uh, because Pete is not Don. I worry it might blow up in Don's too, though, if the opera choice uh, ah, if the opera choice Wiener used is foreshadowing correctly. It's about a man with kids who had an affair with a younger woman who's friends with his wife, and then he asks the younger woman to leave with him, but she tells the wife instead. So that's kind of, like, we've been talking about how um, we we think that Don might get caught or whatever, but 
and we're surprised that he's not trying to put an end to this. What if that does happen? What if he does put an end to it and Sylvia just comes out and, and does what Trudy threatens to do to Pete at the end of this episode and tries to destroy him? I don't get I mean, is that an interesting place to go? It is interesting. Uh, they would. I feel like for that not to feel like a cheat, they'd have to lay some vindictive tracks for her to travel because right now that would feel yeah. like out of her character because it would hurt i don't think she wants to hurt her husband either and it would that would be something it would you know that would be yeah i think i've i've answered that adequately but it <laughs> could right. definitely but I, I don't think the signs have been uh have been put out there for us yet yeah i'm with you whatever it is about that character has not said to me she's vindictive in any way um so go to our last email. Dan in New York says, uh, I have to say about this season so far, meh. It's probably psychologically realistic for Don to have returned to infidelity, but whether it makes compelling television is another question. It feels like we've seen all these interactions before. Also, the flashback to Don's childhood in the whorehouse didn't add anything to understanding him. We already knew how he was raised. Uh, that's, that's actually true. We already knew kind of all of this, right? Uh, I don't know, man. To, to a less specific degree, but... I'm totally... Uh, instead of... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to continue with the email. Please do. Uh, I said... He says, instead of breaking new ground with other characters, the show's focus on Don's sex addiction is beginning to have the self-indulgent repetitiveness of a patient in psychotherapy. Uh, also, on the subject of adultery, did anyone else find Pete's situation somewhat implausible? Two suburban housewives throwing themselves at him simultaneously... Oh, well, you're just, you're not an ad man. (laughs) Otherwise, that would be happening to you all the time, right? (laughs) Yeah, that was a slight problem for me. And and then he goes on and says, frankly, he's not that attractive. Oh, I I agree. (laughs) Uh, Vincent Carthizer is attractive. Pete Campbell, not so much. Ah, come on. Well, maybe he just doesn't look attractive because he's standing next to John Hamm. Well, that's, but I'm serious, dude. Like, when he's not shaving his hairline and he's dressed properly... Um, oh really? He? I've never seen him outside of Mad Men. Oh yeah, I mean, in in fact, uh, I was reading. Uh, oh shit, is a Molly Lambert's review on Grantland, which I highly recommend this week. Uh, she actually dug up um, pictures of John Hamm in high school to show how oh, ridiculously good looking he was compared to what they're trying to push off on the show. Um, uh-huh. And then he, she also had like a Teen Beat or a Tiger Beat. Uh, thing from Vincent Carthizer when he was like 13. Oh, no, I didn't see that. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on greatland.com. Um, but check that huh. out. Yeah, I mean, he's 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 a good-looking guy. I, you know, uh I'm no woman. I I wouldn't be able to judge on that, but or gay man for that matter. I'm just saying that he meets most people's standards of attractiveness when he's not being rapey Pete Campbell of the Pete of the <laughs> okay. Pete Pit. Proprietor gotcha. of the Pete Pit. <laughs> Oh man, I'm having like nine oh two one oh flashbacks here every time. Because it's say the, the peach pit. pit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh god, I'm less embarrassed to admit that that's the same thing I was thinking. Now that you brought it up. Okay, there. great. Uh, Dan goes on to say it's still early in the season, so there's still plenty of time for some new themes and plot lines. But how much more interesting would it have been, for example, to see Don betray Megan in ways that don't involve adultery? Don is an adulterous guy. That's the way he betrays people. Yeah, and I don't know that we're not getting a different view. This, you know, um, Mad Men is all about 
patterns and and cycles and obviously you know you could you could if you if you want to take all the fun out of it you could say that really don's just is, is roger's story yeah that he's following in the footsteps and so is pete but it's so it's like the it's kind of like a song god i'm sounding like george fucking lucas but you've got the you know the, the theme and the stanzas repeat and the chorus but mm. you know it, it 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 changes ever so slightly every time you go around uh, you need a MacGuffin. That's what you're trying to say, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying that I feel like yeah. that is true, but also it's it's I've learned in my brief stint of television criticism that it's two episodes in way too early to judge an entire arc of the season. So I counsel yeah. patience, my friend. Let's see where this goes. Um, you know, we'll find out if this is going to be something epic or if it's just going to be Return of the Jedi's. You know, slightly bigger, more unfinished Death Star. <laughs> uh, I, I will say that I actually probably would have agreed with Dan uh, coming into this episode if if they had not done one thing, which was to play out Roger's uh, storyline in the beginning in the first episode, because that kind of set me up for this idea that there there is a uh, cyclical nature sure. to all of these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the one thing that they did really smart if they were going to, you know, have Don falling into the same traps that he's fallen into before. And as we've said before, um, 1968 is crazy in American culture. So you've always got the changing backdrop of the times, like compare Don's behavior and uh, now versus then and how have the times changed him or how the times not changed him. Well, I think the most interesting part of his character is how the times haven't changed him, right? I mean, he's the only guy who doesn't come in. Well, I guess he's not the only guy, but he's one of the few guys who doesn't come in with a new haircut and sure. uh, dressing in plaid suits. He hasn't, and he hasn't had a different bell bottoms. Yeah, and, he hasn't had a different haircut since high school, probably. And also, exactly. can consider Megan. She's got you know different. How many? So, so Megan's like fifteen years younger than Sylvia, yet. Mm-hmm. If she wasn't on board with having an abortion, the thought has actually entered her mind where Sylvia is just like, that's that's no, that's not even an option. So yeah. we see the times changing there, too. And Megan kind of like when she's like, oh, she was taken aback at that attitude. So we, I, I think that's interesting, too, that this is a look into the country as much as it is to Don Draper. Yeah, yeah. It's not just about the characters. No. That's kind of cool. Okay, that's it, man. That was the last email. You want to do some outro magic, stuff you do the best? Yeah, if you want to send us more email, please do so at madmen at baldmove.com. You can join the conversation with uh, myself and a lot of really cool, awesome madmen people at baldmove.com. Shit. Facebook.com slash baldmove. <laughs> you can follow Jim's live tweets at twitter.com at baldmove. Am I leaving anything else out? I think that's it. Find all of our stuff at baldmove.com. It's baldmove.com all the time. <laughs> yep. Okay. That, that's it. Right? <laughs> we got to find a better way to end the episode. We've been doing this for three years, damn it. We got to have a pattern. Well, I feel like you left something out, but I can't think of what it is. It's so because we broke, up the pro- we broke up promo from feedback, and I probably did. Yeah, yeah. I haven't yeah. got my okay. ma- I've realized that my Mad Men notes are not as sophisticated as my other show notes. I need to fix that. Yeah, you do because the show is way more sophisticated. Yeah, and people, I've gotten if I ha- if I've gotten one feedback, I've gotten a thousand. They gotta have a satisfying outro. Like 
they leave yeah, this yeah, cast yeah. so frustrated if I don't have my outro <laughs> down pat. Negative iTunes reviews. Their outro sucks. Negative iTunes. They're going to go delete the reviews that they've got. We got to get this shit fixed. We will fix that. That's a commitment. <laughs> Definitely. Anyway, thanks everybody for listening. We will be back next week. I do not know the name of the episode, but I will say it next week. Right. Until then, <laughs> until then, I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. See you later. Thank you.